0: Hello and welcome to this episode of Outsmart the Pain. I'm Karsten Albeck, a physician and pain specialist. This is an insight episode, which means that I usually talk a little bit about the last guest and some own thoughts and maybe some extra spices to it. So what will I tell you today? First, I will let you in on a secret. Well, it's not a secret, but I will tell you how a patient comes to our pain clinic. Of course, different clinics do this in different ways, but I'm sure there is some generalization to be made from the way we work. You will get to know when patients are accepted and when they're not and what the solution is to actually become better when coming to our clinic, or for that matter, any pain clinic. Then I will draw a parallel to my meeting with Corinne Julstrom, whose visit was the start of the book Outsmart the Pain. Then, as usual, I will take the talk from the last episode and do my own twists to it. But first, I have a shout-out, or whatever you call it. I have gone through the statistics of my episodes, and throughout all my episodes there have been around 20% of the listeners who listen from a non-English-speaking country. For the last episode, the countries apart from Sweden, Denmark and Norway have been Australia, the United States, New Zealand, the United Kingdom, Switzerland, Austria, Estonia and France. You are now the reason I keep doing this pod in English and don't switch it to Swedish. Of course there could be Swedish emigrants scattered all over the world, but I don't think so. Since I work in Sweden and have written a book about pain in Swedish, I am really interested in all of you not being used to the Swedish language. What is your interest in listening to this pod? Which are your backgrounds? Did you appreciate anything in particular or is there anything you would like to hear about in the future? Please drop me a line at carsten at carstenarlbeck.com. That is carsten at carstenarlbeck.com. Or maybe write something as a comment on Facebook or Instagram. Whatever is easiest for you. But I would really, really like to know what you think. Highly appreciated. And in return, I will give you hmm, nothing. Sorry. So now I will tell you how a patient actually ends up in the pain clinic and which patients don't. And regardless of coming or not, what makes it most probably a success or a failure? We are around 100 active pain specialists in Sweden. I think most are anesthetists, but you can actually be any speciality as a base. A GP, a geriatric doctor, an orthopedic surgeon, or any other speciality. Maybe not a pathologist, I don't know. Anyway, 100 pain specialists in 10 million people. If we think one-fifth or 20% of the population suffers from persistent pain, That means in Sweden there would be 2 million people. So 100 pain specialists in 2 million people makes 20,000 persons per doctor. Even if we would see one patient every 10 minutes, every working day, the whole year, we would not come near that number. So without getting into politics, we need more specialists out there. And to have people choose the pain field, we need more knowledge about what it's really about. My own way of trying to teach society about this is to publish the book Outsmart the Pain. You are not alone out there. And maybe somewhere down the line the politicians understand how important it is to have more pain specialists. And then the med schools need to teach more about persistent pain so junior doctors can continue getting better at it when they are specialists and so on. And even this pod is here to bring more knowledge. But since not every episode is about pain it should be a pod just about anyone would like to listen to. To be honest I do not aim at a specific gender or age or occupation or anything else for that matter. I produce what I believe is interesting and people I enjoy talking to and then I hope this will be of interest to others. And my talks are really sincere and I try to be open-minded, just asking things I think the listener would like to know. And unless the person I talk to explicitly has asked for the questions in advance, I just go with the flow and see where the talk brings us. For you who have followed me, you have seen that apart from my inside episodes that can be extremely short, the episodes range from maybe 20 minutes to an hour just like ordinary talks you can have again if you do have any feedback on this please let me know anyway i think i got carried away we were talking about how to get to the pain clinic well first we get a referral remiss first i don't know how it works in other countries but in sweden in many cases you are allowed to write a self-referral That is, a letter addressed to the pain clinic telling us you want to come. Some doctors and maybe other healthcare professionals might think this is a lousy idea. How in the world could this be of any quality? Guess what? Some self-referrals are really, really great. And they are treated with the same importance ordinary referrals from a physician's are. Many times I start by reading the referral for the patient to hear if it's correct so we start in the same direction, so to speak. Believe it or not, there are times the thing the doctor asks for is not at all what the patient thought had been written or wants help with. In this way, you straighten out the question marks in the beginning. Also, if the referring doctor writes that there might be a psychological or psychiatric issue or maybe a drug problem, etc., I tell the patient this right at the start. I want an open and honest discussion. Of course, I need to feel the atmosphere so I don't ruin the relationship the patient has with his or her doctor. But I tend to find no problem in this. If I say that the doctor writing the referral feels there is a problem with some medication, I say I am happy that I get to know this. I also say that if my opinion is of the opposite view, I will write this. After I say this, my patients usually say their honest truth and I think this is one of many secrets how my patient meetings work so well. They understand that I have no own agenda. I just want to know how the patient feels about things. And I need to be honest about how their surroundings feel about this as well. Guess what? I got carried away again. I think I was talking about referrals, wasn't I? To keep it simple, I would say that we want two things from the referrals. We want a question. What do you want? And of course, make sure the patient wants the same thing as the one you are writing. As I said, many times the referral has another question than the wish the patient has. So it's always better if it's right in the first place. Let me tell you a true story when I worked at a small town in Sweden many years ago. I was there for only two weeks as a GP, although I was an anesthetist, just to shorten their waiting list. I worked for two weeks from 8 in the morning until 8 in the evening. Four patients an hour. So I guess the waiting list was decreased by 320 patients after those two weeks. Anyway, I got a note just before I was about to see the patient, stating what their problem was. This was a 30-something-year-old guy with pain in his eye. So I asked him how he was doing. Oh, I'm really fine. "Uh, Okay, what about your eye? I said. Oh, it's fine too. "Uh, But it says here that you have pain in your eye. And the patient looked at me. What? Uh, well, let me recollect. Oh, yes, that's right. I did have some pain when I wanted a doctor's appointment, but that was like one year ago, and it all passed. But why are you here then, I said, if you're feeling fine? Well, you get called to the doctor so seldom, so when you get a letter with a time, you better be there, or you might not get the chance again. So I checked his blood pressure and listened to his heart. He had all his reflexes left and I did a neurological exam too. So after 10 minutes he was declared totally healthy and he was so satisfied. I could of course have said in the beginning you should not be here. That would probably waste 10 minutes of his and my time and leave an unsatisfied patient yet. So you need to use your time wisely. Even if you meet something you did not expect after reading and accepting the referral. Hopefully, you do not have to wait too long as a patient when you have persistent pain, but according to a study I read some years ago, the median time after getting pain until you meet a pain specialist is 15 years. Anyway, where was I? Uh, Yes, we want to know two things in the referral a question. What do you want us to help you with? And the second thing, what has been done so far and to which result? If you cover these two things, it is easier for us to know if we have anything to offer or not. But we still get referrals that really do not help much. Like, patient in pain for a long time has tried many medications but nothing has helped. Now I have been told to write you a referral again we do not have the resources to call everyone and fill in the blanks so we unfortunately have to return the referral with a question to add information i actually got a short one like that a few months ago and answered that it was too short and returned it with some recommendations how the gp could start with some treatments if possible just the other week i got another referral saying I sent you a referral with the following text some months ago, the patient has not been called. And then exactly the same text again, not adding anything about my recommendations or anything else. Sorry, but returned again. Sometimes there are things that have to be done before a pain evaluation can be done. Maybe an orthopedic surgeon has to decide or recommend if a joint has to be replaced. Maybe a rheumatologist needs to check some labs. Maybe a cancer needs to be treated first, etc, etc. Sometimes there are some easy tasks who can be checked by the GP before turning to the pain clinic. For instance, the whole chapter about medication in my book is actually things that can be tried at the GPs. So, even if we return some referrals, it doesn't mean nothing will be done. It's just that we do not need to do it at the pain clinic. So, a good referral where we have something to offer that has not been tried before could render the patient coming to us for a first visit. At the first visit, we examine the patient thoroughly and listen to their story. Usually, the patient meets a physician, a physiotherapist, and maybe a psychologist if the referral gave us a hint this was needed. Sometimes we start with one type of occupation, for instance a doctor if the question is only related to medication. And we can add more occupations later on if they are needed. For instance a body examination by a physiotherapist or a psychological evaluation. Then together with the patient we form a strategy. What can be done? We write a very simple analog paper a sheet of paper which can be shown to the spouse, their GP, or whoever is interested. Here we list what we are going to do. Both as the means for the patient to see what we agreed to try, but also when we have done what we agreed upon. So there will not be added questions later on of things we should start doing according to the patient. It's easy to grab a hold of the pain clinic if you are there already but we need to use our resources wisely so as many people as possible can get sufficient help. So when we have tried what we agreed on, the patient returns to his or her GP if further help is needed. If we, after the first visit, agree that more can be done, it's really hard to list the things we do at the pain clinic here in this episode because it is so individual but it could range from trying a new medication or actually start over with something previously tried, but maybe this time do it in a little bit more controlled way. There could be advice on how to increase physical activity. We, of course, do not increase the activity for the patient, but give advice on how to do it. We could try out TENS, transcutaneous electrical stimulation. Maybe the patient needs help with pain coping through one of our psychologists. Or they will participate in a pain rehab program together with other people in groups. So, as you can hear, there are numerous ways to help, so I can't list everything in detail. But how do we know which strategies will work if both people and treatments differ so much? The honest and frightening truth is, we don't. What? There are so many studies about different methods to use in pain rehabilitation and not many stand out as much better than others. We know that working in teams is better but talking about so-called pain rehabilitation programs we don't actually know which types are best, which length is the best and so on. There are many things we still do not know. So. What is of most importance then? What makes the treatment successful? It's all about the commitment. Of course by the caregiver, but foremost from the person being treated. If the patient does not believe in what you do, there is almost never any use to even try. If the person with pain says, I need an x-ray before I can do anything because I need to know that nothing is wrong, although all experts have said it's okay, well, I guarantee you we will not move one step closer to the solution until that x-ray has been done, even if everyone knows there will not be anything wrong with the x-ray result. The patient needs to agree on the way to work with the pain and wanting to work, on this by him or her own. So commitment is king. So how did all this relate to the story with my co-author Karin Julstöm last week? Well, she met a doctor at the hospital who, after all different examinations, did not have anything to offer. He then recommended a referral to us, the pain clinic. He could not guarantee if Corin would be accepted, like I told you about earlier in this episode. After reading the referral, we understood that Corinne was very well evaluated and there was nothing more to be found, so to speak. But she obviously needed help. So she was called to my clinic and met me as her doctor. I had no idea who she was or reacted to her name, although I had seen her on TV several times when I was younger. I remember she asking me some time after the visit if we should write a book and I said no. But then I seemed to never say no enough. I always lose. Well, not in this case. I do not regret the book. It was really a very good decision in the end. So in case there have been a bad referral or if Karin had not gone to the hospital in the first place, there would never have been a book. But what did she say happened before the visit at the pain clinic? She told us that her pain just got worse. She had some idea what she could do. And uh, to start with, I thought that uh, I I need to do some stretching, I need to to relax more. I need a bit of vacation. <laughs> but um, when the years passed, uh, I understood that um, it was impossible. I, I just couldn't make it go away. And she met tons of different healthcare care professionals who tried to help. She met a doctor who said she had to adjust her life to her pain. You're getting older. What can this tell us? Don't give up. If you don't understand your pain, you have not received an explanation good enough. So you need one. If you don't know, go see your GP. If your GP does not know, let them speak with a pain specialist. And remember, the answer most probably isn't or shouldn't be a new pill. It could be. But in that case, it's often as a means helping you to start to do some activities you otherwise would not have been able to do. You cannot wait until you are pain free and then start doing things but you need to start doing things at the earliest possible moment to teach your brain this is part of your new normal life if you need help with pacing that is not doing too much at once again there are pain clinics who can help you there are resources on the web i could for instance warmly recommend www.paintoolkit.org where Pete Moore tells you how to cope with pain. He has pain himself and has been an earlier guest in this pod. One thing that we barely touched, Corinne and I, was the end of the period at the pain clinic. She was afraid that going back to her GP would create problems. She was told there would be no problem but she now experiences that exact thing. The recommendations and medications are being questioned and she has been told she needs to try different things again and she says she does not have the energy to do this all over. My recommendation would be that if you get in this position ask your GP to have a meeting together with you and the pain clinic. It just needs to be three people, could be over video and not take longer than 10 minutes. But you might be able to straighten some question marks instead of sending referrals and letters back and forth and even without involving the person it regards, you. Now then, how come Karin became better then? She started with walking 50 steps and now she can even run at some times. The thing Karin tells us, which I have heard through the years so many times, is how committed people become so much better when they regain their activities. If you can start doing what you did before pain interrupted this, then great! If not, you need something new to stimulate your well-being. This could both be becoming more physically active, but also, or maybe foremost, something which makes you socially and mentally active, Start using that great brain of yours. Start meeting people again. You don't need to start with a marathon six-hour party, but maybe meet someone 15 minutes. You would be surprised how glad people get when they can meet someone for 15 minutes instead of not at all. If you never get to meet old friends again, they might even think that you are really, really sick or that you need help they are not able to give and therefore are reluctant to make contact themselves people are afraid of changes so when you change they get kind of scared and keep away communication is king when you start talking again things will get better and be cautious even if they ask you how are you doing don't tell them your life pain story their brains have limits too you can tell them a bit But don't scare them off. Tell them to read a certain book instead. So if you are in pain and feel you need to get help, ask your GP to either call or write a pain specialist to get some advice or make sure they write a good referral or in some cases write your own. I truly believe there is much to gain by reading Outsmart The Pain because there is much you can try yourself or start thinking about possible solutions you might not have thought about before. Do you have any tips or advice, or just a story how you became better, either after reading the book or not related to the book at all? Drop me a line, again, at karsten at com. With these words I leave you this week. Next week, another subject to cover. During this upcoming week I personally will do something I really enjoy. I will have a lecture for over 100 doctors becoming GPs and the lecture of course about pain. And I will give them some advice on how to work within this field without feeling energy drain but rather getting energy because it is so rewarding when you realize you started something which makes their whole life so much better in the end. So, take care out there. And for you foreign listeners, please write me and tell me about your story, what makes you listen to this pod, etc. But until then, take it easy out there.